And let's uh, turn in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, we're on page 927, 927 of uh, the Black Church Bibles, Acts chapter 18. Uh, we've been uh, following uh, the gospel story through this book of Acts as the exalted uh, risen Lord Jesus, who rules over all, uh, establishes and builds his church uh, through the Holy Spirit-filled uh, church uh, that he has uh, equipped with his word. Uh, and of late, uh, we've seen how uh, the Apostle Paul uh, is proclaiming um, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation found in him uh, amongst the nations. Uh, last week, uh, we were with Paul in Athens, and today we'll see Paul uh, arrive at Corinth. Acts chapter 18, beginning to read at verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a relative, uh, uh, sorry, a native of Pontus, uh, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptised. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when uh, Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, uh, the Jews made an united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, uh, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized uh, Suthenus, uh, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. Gallio paid no attention to any of this. So reads that part of God's uh, word to us uh, this morning. Do keep your Bible open. Uh, we will pray and we will look at this passage of God's word uh, together. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth 
and surety of your word. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray now as we come in the name of Jesus. May Christ be revealed uh, to us. May your spirit be at work and may we be assured uh, that you are at work in us for the glory of your name. Lord, shape us and mould us for your glory. Amen. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Those words from God to his people, they echo again and again and again throughout uh, the Bible. A constant reassurance, repeated so frequently, because I think we God's people, we need to hear, we need to be reminded of this truth again and again, don't we? Do not be afraid, says God to his people, I am with you. It is a phrase, the phrase, as it were, that links the whole of this passage that we've read this morning from Acts 18. God's promise to all of his people. Here in Acts chapter 18, the Lord gives Paul an additional promise exclusive to Paul for this time as he's in Corinth. It's there in verse 9. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you. We know, don't we, that God does not promise all believers of all times that no one will attack us, that we'll suffer no harm. Many Christians around the world, even this morning, for whom suffering for their faith is a daily reality. Just go on to the, the Barnabas Fund website and uh, many, many articles of Christians suffering for their faith in many countries. There are many Christians throughout history for whom following the faith, uh, following the Lord Jesus, will, has resulted not just in suffering, but in death. We've just sung, haven't we, about those who have gone before us, who have given their life for the Lord Jesus, martyrdom for their faith. And yet still true for all believers that God is with his people, therefore we should not be afraid. We are in his Safe hands. Remember the words of the uh, risen Lord Jesus at the end of uh, Matthew's gospel. Uh, just before he ascends into heaven, he says to his disciples, Behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. I wonder this morning, what is it that fills you with anxiety? What is it that you're afraid of? You see, this is a word, isn't it, for God's people of all times, for all places. Our God, he rules over all of life, sovereignly working out his saving plans for his people so that nothing happens apart from his wise, good, loving purposes for us. Well, having uh, witnessed uh, to Christ in Athens in the previous chapter. Paul here, he moves on to Corinth. Uh, and between these two cities, uh, Athens and Corinth, they were two of the most important cities in the ancient world at that time. Both famous for their wealth, for their culture. Uh, hubs of commerce where people flocked from north and south and, uh, and east and west. But also centres infamous for immorality. Anything goes. Do whatever you like with whoever you like. As Paul arrives in this city, I want to, us to see, I want to encourage us this morning that these words to Paul in Corinth 
are God's words to us in Romford this morning. Three things I want us to grasp this morning. First, I want us to see God's hand behind us when we're frustrated. I want us to see God's hand behind us when frustrated. As we've read through the book of Acts, we're being shown the hand of God at work. A few chapters back in chapter 16, we saw how the Holy Spirit closed some doors to Paul and opened others for his ministry. It's true, isn't it, that we, we said then that we have so little control over which doors open and which close to us in life. We know the pain of a, of a door slamming shut in our face, metaphorically, hopefully not too many times literally. How much pain that causes us. We thought we would do this and the door closes. But even as doors open for Paul to preach the gospel, we find here in Corinth in verse 6 that he meets with opposition and those who revile him. Hatred and, and, and beatings, opportunities are gone. And there's encouragement, though, for us even in the midst of this. I think maybe we might miss it on first reading. You see, one door is closed here in order that another might be opened. Uh, the door of opportunity in one place is closed. And that leads to God bringing blessing elsewhere. Look again at uh, verse uh, 1. Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. Try and picture it. Here's Paul. He's this lone Jew in Corinth. He is literally miles away, hundreds of miles away from home, from Jerusalem. Paul knows nobody and everything around him is foreign. And we're told he meets, as the world would put it, just by chance, uh, these two Jews, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, his wife. Uh, they are a couple he will stay with. They will welcome him into their home. They are a couple who will support him as they work with him and provide a base for his mission work. But, but let's just rewind. Go back to how Aquila and Priscilla get to Corinth. We're told Aquila was a native of Pontus. That was a region on the, uh, the southern shoreline of the Black Sea. And for some unknown reason, we're not sure whether he went there of his own uh, will or whether he was um, uh, dragged uh, there, he made this thousand-mile journey to Rome. That's where he'd come from. But now Claudius, the emperor of Rome, had closed the door in that city all Jews to be forcibly thrown out of Rome by imperial edict so that Aquila and Priscilla had to, to pack their bags and leave a, a door closed and yet that door that was closed in Rome leads to this door being opened for Paul and the gospel as he arrives in Corinth it just so happens that Paul finds this couple these Jewish Christian believers not by chance, not by luck. It happens by God's providential hand. By God's faithful, fatherly hand. Over lockdown, we have repeatedly wondered, haven't we, what on earth is going to happen next? 
I have. I don't know whether the rest of you have. What are we going to? What's going to come on our screens next? What's going to be announced next? And as a church, we've been regularly reminded and try to remind ourselves of God's providential care for His people. The things aren't out of His control. One way we've done that is by using. Uh, the catechism questions, uh, one of which we used this morning. Let me read it again. Joel, if you can go back, uh, if you can uh, find it, uh, then, uh, then, then do. What do we believe when we say that I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Uh, let's listen to these words again. That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who of nothing made heaven and earth with all that is in them, who likewise upholds and governs the same by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of his son, uh, sake of Christ his son, my God and my Father, on whom I rely so entirely that I have no doubt but he will provide me with all things necessary for soul and body, and further that he will make whatever evil he sends upon me in this valley of tears turn out to my advantage." For he is able to do it, being almighty God, and willing, being a faithful father. Thank you. This couple, commanded by the emperor himself to leave Rome along with all of uh, their people. Some of us will know how difficult we found it to be commanded to stay in our homes during lockdowns. We felt the frustration. We felt the, the, the anger rising, I guess, uh, over that. We should, we should be able to go out, do more of what we want. Just imagine how much harder it would be to be commanded to, to leave your home, to get out because you're not welcome here anymore, to be forcibly made an immigrant. Imagine what that might feel like. But maybe Emperor Claudius isn't in charge of the world. Perhaps he's, he's nothing more than just a small man, a, a bit part player. Maybe Jesus is the one who's in charge. Maybe Jesus is able to get his people exactly where he wants them. You see, where was it that Paul wanted to get to ultimately? Where was it that Paul aimed or, or desired uh, to take his good news message? Paul wanted to get to Rome. He wants to get to the, to the heart of the empire, the, the belly of the beast, as it were. And here are two people, and they've been there. They've lived there. They know what it's like. They know what to expect. They know where to go, who to speak to. You see, a, a Roman emperor casually flicks his fingers, and a whole people is dispersed from his city. And yet in it, God moves his hand as almighty God, as a faithful father, to ensure that his gospel purposes in the Lord Jesus are fulfilled. And Priscilla and Aquila, they, they, they know nothing of that. All they know is that they've been expelled from their home, that they have to travel, that they have to set up home in a new city all alone. Why are we here, they're asking. In the last couple of years, We've seen, we felt just how little control we have of our lives. Why have things happened as they have? Where, what is it that God's been doing? And the answer is, we, we just don't know, do we? It may be decades before we come to understand what it is God's been doing. 
Maybe we'll never uh, know, uh, have an answer to our whys in this life. It may be decades before we're able to thank God for closing some doors in our life. Christian believer, God's hand is behind all that happens to you, to me. Well, things go well. When things are easy for us, it's quite easy to believe that, isn't it? When life is, is all falling out uh, as we'd hoped and planned for. And yet so hard to believe when you cannot see what God is doing. When there's pain, when there's loss involved. Aquila, Priscilla, they're in this situation where they can't see what God is doing. And then one day, this man Paul, he knocks on their door. And the gospel takes root in a new city. And we, with millions of Christians throughout history, we read our Bibles and we, we read and we're encouraged and we're warned and we're instructed and strengthened by Paul's two letters to this church that is established in Corinth. And all of it flows in God's planning, in God's purpose, from these two believers, Aquila and his wife Priscilla, welcoming Paul in, supporting Paul. Trusting God is trusting God when we can't see what he's doing, isn't it? Bringing our frustrations, bringing our unanswered questions, our whys to God, and trusting that his hand is a hand of a faithful father. That he will take whatever evils he sends upon me in this valley of tears, that they might turn out to my advantage. He is able to do it, being almighty God, and willing being a faithful father. During lockdown, I found those last few words of that catechism question so, so precious. Of course, God is almighty God, able to do whatever he purposes. Oh, but Christian this morning, know that whatever he is at work, he is doing and willing to work for your good because he is your faithful father. God's providential hand moving in our lives. It's been described, I'm guessing many of us will have heard it before, as a tapestry. A tapestry uh, where all of we see is the reverse of the tapestry. All of the knots, all of the tied up ends, all of the crisscrossing. And it looks messy and we, we cannot see what it's meant to be. Oh, but one day we will be shown the front of the tapestry that God is weaving. All that God's been doing in our lives. And it won't just look good, it will look glorious. Your life, glorious, the work of God. Oh, we must see God's hand at work in our past when we're frustrated. But then secondly, we also need to see the presence of God with us when we're afraid. God brought Paul to Corinth. God ordered things so that he'd meet Aquila and Priscilla. God purposed that Paul should proclaim the gospel and then be rejected, and then suffer. Verse 5, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. God at work, and, and it looks great. But then, verse 6, when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments. It all falls apart. As the story continue, continues, Paul is opposed all of the way to the law courts, this, this Roman proconsul he stands before. 
These Jews, they, they bring him to, to this man, Galio, and they say this man is per persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. We were thinking in the prayer meeting on Wednesday night that have been numerous moves recently to make uh, proclaiming the gospel, calling people to turn from their sins in repentance and faith, uh, to criminalise that, to criminalise prayer in the name of conversion therapy. And those moves, they are really concerning for us as Christians. They may well cause real difficulties for us as Christians. But we need to grasp that attempts to outlaw Christianity, they're not new, not at all. It's been claimed from the very beginning that the gospel is unethical, it's dangerous, it's divisive uh, to society, and not helpful to the welfare of the, of the wider populace. There's been moves for generations that it should be illegal to be Christian. It is in some countries true that that's the case today, isn't it? Nothing new. But friend, let me say that if and, and, and when that might happen here, how would we as Christians, how would we continue to stand? How are we to remain faithful faced with the fear of harm and the, uh, the fear of arrest or worse? Where will our courage come from? It'll come from these words being as true for us today as they were when God said them to Paul. Do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. That's the promise of the Lord Jesus to his people. The one who holds all authority and power. Who is Gallio, the, the emperor's pro-council in Achaia? Who is this top official, the, the, the sheriff of the town? Why be afraid of him when the Lord Jesus sits with all power and authority on his heavenly throne? Who is Claudius, the emperor of Rome, with the, the might of the empire behind him? Why be afraid of him when, when even as he forcibly expels people from where, wherever he chooses, without his knowledge, he is merely carrying out and furthering God's great plans? Over the next few weeks as Christmas comes in Advent, we're going to be reminded by Luke again, uh, how he's already told us at the beginning of his gospel. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. The heart of the king in the hand of the Lord. In, our, in order that all that had been spoken about the promised coming king should be fulfilled. Just as God had said. Our world leaders last week, a week before, was it, gathering in Glasgow to display how much control they've got over our world. And yet God alone controlling history, unshakably carrying out his purposes. Oh, friend, what are we this morning, I wonder, afraid of? What is it that brings the anxiety? All things come to you. Not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. We are in a world that at present feels so unstable. Where we don't know what to expect next. And there are so many people, people we speak to, people we know, even we ourselves, people who are fearful. A generation 
fearful of what might happen to their parents, a generation fearful of what might happen to their children. Just think as a, as a sick child lies on their bed at night, as they feel ill and as they feel the pain, how much comfort it is to know that mum and dad are present right there with them, to care for, to keep. Likewise, oh dear Christian, the Lord Jesus is there for us. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. We need to know, don't we? Not just that God has worked things out in the past, every heartache, every failure, every sadness. Not just that he's worked those things for our good. We need to know that he is present with us now, today. And therefore, we need not be afraid. When we're fearful, we need to see God present with us. Paul does so here. And so even though he's opposed and reviled, he's able to continue to preach Christ. But then finally and briefly, I want us to see as we close, see the choosing of God ahead of us when we speak. See the choosing of, he of God ahead of us when we speak. Now that might not make much sense. So let me explain it. Verse 10. God says to Paul, do not be afraid, uh, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. God is with Paul, but here's another reason why Paul need not be afraid. God says, I have many in this city who are my people. Those are astounding words. The Lord Jesus assuring Paul, Paul, don't worry, I've been here, I got here before you. In my sovereign electing purpose, so that I might have many in this city who are my people... And yet, as yet, they do not know that. You see, Paul will proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And those people whom God has uh, chosen already will come to put their trust in him. In God's sovereign choosing of his people, he's gone ahead of Paul to Corinth. The reason Paul can preach the gospel in Corinth is because God has gone ahead of him. Now, we've seen this all the way through the book of Acts. In chapter 13, as Paul preached the gospel, we're told, Acts 13, 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And it's really important for us to pause and to take on board those words. You see, we expected to read, and as many as believed were appointed to eternal life. The belief, us trusting Jesus, is the cause of us having eternal life. But that's not what we're told. Uh, that's not what Luke says in Acts 13, 48. As many who were appointed to eternal life, they believed. Those whom God had sovereignly elected to eternal life before the foundation of the world, those whom he knew by name, they hear God's word as Paul proclaimed it, and they are enabled to believe. God, sovereign, in control of all. Our responsibility to, to believe, our responsibility as Christians to, to share the gospel message what we see in this passage is that God sends his people. He sends a Paul, he sends Aquila and Priscilla. He sends his people to proclaim his gospel to where he is saving people. 
and the exalted Lord Jesus. He shares this truth with Paul here. Not so that Paul can think, fine, God's got it covered, I can just stay silent. No, no, God shares this uh, truth with Paul here in order to strengthen him and encourage him to go on speaking and not be silent. Why faced with opposition? Why faced with the, the, uh, facing legal action? Why would Paul continue to preach the Lord Jesus Christ? Why do it? Because God has many people in this city. Because God has many people in our town, in Romford. Because we believe, don't we, that as we share and speak the gospel, God will use his word so that many, those unknown to us, but those he has chosen before the foundation of the world, might come to know him. It's right to ask, isn't it? Why, why was it that we started the church here three years ago? Why continue? Why bother to turn up Sunday by Sunday? Why knock on doors? Why invite people into a, a Christmas carol service? Why do it? Because in this town, God has many people. Many who are his, but have not yet come to believe on the Lord Jesus. Oh, dear Christian, God is working out his sovereign purposes in our circumstances. In the past events that have caused you so much hurt and still now frustrate you because they make so little sense to you. God's working out his purposes in the present. God with you so that you need not be afraid of all of the things that you face. You can be sure that he, he is your faithful father. And we are called, aren't we, to faithful living with our words, with our walk along the path that God has laid out for us. Oh, but the fruitfulness, the results, they are in God's hands. The one who leads all things well. Who knows, it may be that you won't find out why God's placed you in your present circumstances for decades to come. Maybe you'll never find out in this life. And yet we can be certain that God is with us, that he is good and wise and true, that he will not leave us alone in the midst of our circumstance. His plans for his children, his plans for you this morning, they are glorious. And as yet we do not see them clearly. We are unable to trace the thread that runs from the beginning all the way through to the end. And yet he calls us this morning again. Do not be afraid. Put your hope, put your trust in him. Do not be afraid. For I am with you.